0: Lane and it down taking you behind the scenes and inside the locker room you're listening to the raptors beat with josh Lewinberg and nikki reyes on tsn 1050 the raptors live here
1: welcome into the raptors beat alongside josh lewenberg i am nikki reyes in the next hour we're going to take you inside the locker room and take a look back at the week that was for your toronto raptors and josh it feels like a lifetime ago or maybe i've just blocked out that that opening night loss against washington but this toronto raptors is a different team especially after what we saw last night two and three now on the season finally got their first win at home in over 612 days against the pacers what did you think about their performance last night josh
0: I I was impressed, Nikki. Like uh, you're right. It, it seems like a long time ago since we were in that building, the game against Washington, and we were wondering. I mean, even last week uh, on this very show, we were wondering: was that an aberration? Was that just a team that was nervous and uh, maybe um, o- overcome by the emotions and the moment of returning home? Or was that a, a sign of things to come? Was this going to be a long season for the Raptors? But I mean, I still think we're, we're figuring out who this team is. I still think this team is figuring out who this team is. They've been inconsistent, which isn't entirely surprising given how young this team is. But I'll say this about last night. That was the most impressive win, the, the, the most complete performance of the young season for this team like their offense has been coming along slowly I thought it it looked pretty good in the loss to Chicago on Monday but their defense has been solid and obviously it's been we've seen moments of brilliance from them especially in that game against Boston but they put it all together last night we saw them locked in on both ends of the floor it was a really dominant performance and a really convincing win for this team and It'll be interesting to see how they build on it, right? Because they are young. They've got this stretch coming up in the schedule. We'll talk about that coming up. There's winnable games. You've got a couple here at home. You've, you've got Friday against Orlando. We'll, we'll talk about the, the road trip that's coming up as well. Um So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a few things to build on here. Um You got Scotty Barnes, who I'm sure we'll talk about here over the next Mm-hmm. Our, an impressive first week for him in the NBA. Delano Banton, a, a bit of a surprise yesterday, and Nick Nurse teasing that a little bit the day before, that they're looking to get him more time, more reps, more opportunity here. And he gets in before Goran Dragic last night, plays 16 minutes coming off the bench as the backup point guard. And, and he was really impressive, Nikki.
1: Yeah, let's dig into that a little bit because... I think there was a lot of conversation about why Goran Dragic is still starting, especially in that last game against Chicago. He looked like he was really struggling struggling uh offensively. And if he can't contribute on that end then then what are we doing here, right? And and yesterday Nick Nurse said that he wanted to go with Delano Banton to kinda of get Chris Boucher. Uh, going another guy who has been struggling and and look you know we need to cut Chris some slack we know that he had surgery on that finger he missed training camp a uh, huge chunk of you know the preseason game. so it's almost understandable if he can't uh, you know get up to game speed and isn't exactly you know um, in, in top form just yet but what Nick was saying was that he doesn't have to shoot himself into games right like he was taking some really questionable questionable shots there at one point and he just needed to do the little things that make Chris uh, good, which is, you know, playing defense, rebounding, being active, uh, disrupting. And so so Nick went with Delano last night to kind of get Chris going, but Delano just absolutely shined once again. Every time this kid gets onto the court, he's just so impressive.
0: Yeah, and I'm not sure that it's an every-game thing necessarily. Like, this isn't the last that we've seen of Goran Dragic. I, I know some mm-hmm. people are, are ready to say goodbye almost, yeah. as, <laughs> almost as quickly as we said hello um, no, I mean, I, I still think there's a role on, on this team for Goran Dragic. I, I mean, obviously they they're happy to have the veteran leadership as long as he's here, and those are things that you can get from the bench and from the locker room. But even in terms of what he brings, the, there there is shock creation, playmaking that that is needed on this team, especially with Pascal Siakam is with with him out, um, that you're not necessarily going to get from a rookie in Delano Banton or even Scotty Barnes as good as he's looked as a playmaker early in his career. So I think depending on the matchup and depending on the flow of each game, you, you might need somebody like Dragic, Uh But yeah, I mean, you, you've got options here. If you're Nick nurse, it, it's, I think there's some nights where we could see both, right? Like they're not mutually exclusive necessarily. It, it, you, you've got Banton with his size. that can play off the ball a little bit. Dragic can play off the ball as well. So maybe some nights they go 10 deep, which isn't crazy to, to think, especially if, if like you're in a back-to-back scenario or something, and then you could see both. Maybe some nights you see Dragic over Svima Luke, who, who would, has been solid recently as well. It, it's a good problem to have, right? Because at some point in the very near future, you're going to get Utah Watanabe back as well. And, and you're probably going to want to get a look at him in the rotation if you're a nurse. And then not far after that, Pascal Siakam will be back and, and will be starting, bumping somebody from that starting group to the second unit. And, and there's another question. Who who do you bring off the bench once Siakam comes back? Because, as we know, Scotty Barnes has been excellent so mm-hmm. far. And the Raptors have been clear they want to get him as many minutes as possible. So at one point, it was like, okay, well, maybe you play big at OG Anadolbe at the two, Barnes at the three, Siakam at the four. But Gary Trent has been really good as well. Nick Nurse talking last night about how impressed he's yeah. been with his defense. And that's not necessarily why you put him in the starting group i think it was more to do with offense but defensively he's been excellent he's among the league leaders in deflections and steals right now so i don't know like do you play small and have that trio of ananobi siakam and barnes at the three four five and go without a traditional center in that group
1: Uh, this is this is the big question right how nick nurse's going to handle siakam coming back um i feel like somebody might get squeezed out of here but at the same time it he has so many options which obviously you want to always have an abundance of options and you know knock on wood nobody gets injured and everyone stays healthy uh as far as long as uh, they can go this season but you mentioned gary trent jr and and he has just been so tenacious on defense even you're, you're right nick nurse said you know he had to stop the his press conference and say you know gary trent jr let's recognize this guy for what he's been doing uh, defensively and I think that's what really has impressed me about this team is that they've, they've, you know, this is their identity. We know that in order for them to create offense, they're going to have to be stout on D and they really did that last night. Uh, They turned over Indiana 23 times for 31 points and they limited their turnovers, just 12 in last night's game and then you guys have you have guys like O.G. Anobi who's finally starting to get into his groove uh, Fred Van Vloot we know we're going to talk a lot about him in this coming hour um but you mentioned Pascal who was you know sidelining on the coach there and you know he's just dying to get into this game fred also you know joking about him last night that he won't shut up um wh- what have you heard about pascal and how how soon can we expect him josh
0: it, it does seem like he's a, at least a little bit ahead of schedule here i mean the the initial timeline In uh, early June, when he had the surgery, was five months, which would be beginning to middle of of November. Uh, But it it sounds like he's going full-bore in practice now, or at least close to it. He's starting to take contact And by all accounts, he's looked pretty good now given how long he's been out and how serious the surgery is that he's recovering from. They're not just going to throw him in there. I, I think we probably see Utah Watanabe if not late this week, then early next week, and Siakam is probably a week or two behind that, but even if we're talking about an early November return, I think that's that's better than we thought it was going to be initially. We figured that Siakam would miss the first month or so of the season. It doesn't look like it's going to be that now, so that's great news, especially because like, I think the offense, as I said earlier, has, is starting to look better. This is never going to be an offensive juggernaut, even when Siakam comes back. Like, This is not a team that's designed to score a lot of points, especially in the half court they're not a great shooting team but Siakam's return will help them offensively and then to your point Nikki it makes them even better defensively and that's the key here because we've been saying this all along is defense is the identity of this team that's where they can be special and they don't have to be great offensively they've got to be good enough they were they were definitely good enough last night and I'll also say this, because uh, the physicality has been a big topic of conversation yes, here over so the last few days. I just going
1: to ask you about that. Yes, absolutely, because you wrote a great article about that. It's up on TSN.ca. Um, not to cut you off here, but, um, yeah, the, the physicality is something that the, the Raptors have definitely benefited from uh, so far this season. And, and please expand on that.
0: It's funny because a few days ago, it seemed almost like a complaint from Nick Nurse and Van Vliet and company. They were not happy earlier this week about some of the things that were being that was being allowed. The the officiating has been a little bit different, and as Nurse said the other day, it's not just Raptors games; it's around the league that some of the things that they're used to being called are not being called Mm -hmm. that the the whistle has been a little bit looser here early in the season my personal theory for that because it, it is a little bit unusual for the last two decades now we've been seeing more and more the balance of power shifting towards the offense in the league that it's getting tougher to defend the league's best players for a few reasons I mean obviously the offense is evolving and these players are evolving in terms of uh, their skill set, but also how they're manipulating the rules. And that's one of the reasons why this year, the, the point of emphasis for the officiating is to let some of that stuff go to look for those unnatural non-basketball moves yeah. that offensive players are making. Think James Harden driving into contact or, or leading into contact on the jump shot, Luka Doncic kicking out on, on the three-point shot. And instead of calling those Defensive fouls, they're now either offensive fouls or in in a lot of cases, and this is what we're seeing, they're not being called at all. So while usually the points of emphasis are call more of this, call more of that, this year it's call less of this, call less of that, and I think we're seeing... The officials let some of that stuff go and maybe indirectly let some other things go. So, yeah, th- there is a little bit more physicality here. The scoring is down across the league. Scores are a little bit lower. And you know what? While well, the Raptors were complaining about it earlier this week, and I get it a little bit because Van Vleed's taking all these hits and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I-, I think if you're Nick Nurse, you're probably sitting back here a little bit thinking about this and saying, OK, well, y- you know who this extra physicality is actually good for? It's good for us, a defensive-minded team, a team that—I mean—they mm-hmm. led the league in fouls last year. So, if they're getting away with a little bit more, that's actually pretty good for a team that wants to be active, have those active hands, be physical, be aggressive, and win games on the defensive end. Because guess what? They're—they're they're not going to score 120 points a night, no matter what.
1: Yeah, I don't want to use the word jarring, but it is a bit. It, it, it is it is different to watch the game like last night I'm watching it and and you know the raptors are active hands and want to get their hands in lanes and deflections and all that to create their offense but there are times where you're almost waiting for a whistle to be called right like you're kind of ho- not hoping but expecting a, a stoppage in play and it's not happening and i know a lot of guys are still having to uh, adjust to that um the raptors and you you mentioned Fred VanVleet like he was getting bodied these first couple of games, you know, driving through the lane, he's fallen on the ground, no whistle, gets up, still, you know, finishes, uh, his, his drive. And it is a bit weird. Um, Fred Van Vliet, he's, he's so funny because he's such, he's so cerebral when it comes to the game. So when he speaks, it's almost like you, you have to believe it's the ultimate truth, right? Because he knows, he, he mentions how he, he spends hundreds of hours, you know, perfecting his craft. And if he notices it, obviously that, that you know it has to be what's happening but you just look at the scores across across the board and and uh that will point to you that it is being called differently okay Josh another big story that was um that kind of broke this week we got to talk about uh Masai Ujiri and there's no way to massage what happened to him uh, we all know that Ed Rogers tried to to squeeze him out and and not um Offer up a contract that Masai is deserving of. Uh, would you like to start with this? Because I might go off and and then <laughs> we'll be off the air before I could finish this. But I'll let you have your say about what your thoughts on on the, this whole Ed Rogers and Masai Ujiri story.
0: Yeah, well, great reporting from Christine Dobby and Doug Smith the Toronto mm-hmm. Star, and and yeah, I mean, what what a story! Uh, imagine having the nerve to call somebody and tell them they're not worth the money they're being paid. That's what Twitter is for, Nikki. You don't call somebody and tell them that to their face. No, I mean it, it it's <laughs> it, it's wild it's wild, right? Because well first of all, I always say this with with athletes, with executives, coaches or or any professional in any profession, you're worth what the market says you're worth, right? Like if if somebody is willing to pay you that that's what you're worth. And if Masai Ujiri didn't get his money from the Raptors, he would have gotten it from a different team in the NBA or, or somewhere else in a different league or a different different thing altogether as one of the most coveted executives in all of sports. So. I think most would agree that he is worth that amount of money, and, and even if he's not, like, I mean, obviously, Ed Rogers, that, that was his opinion, is, is that he's not worth that amount of money, but to me, it, it seems more personal or, or maybe political than it, it is a business decision. I think most people would agree that if the Raptors want to win, the best guy to, to lead them to the back to the top is Masai Ujiri. Is the guy I, who got the mayor, <laughs> yes. a proven track record? So, uh, e- even after the season when he had that press conference and and he was asked about the contract negotiations and and he said listen I, I gotta sit down with the board and and i i, I want answers i want commitment that this team is, is fully 100 percent in on winning and I, we all wondered what that was about and what i was hearing yeah. from a lot of people was that with some transition going on in the mlsc board some new faces some changeover Masai wanted to know who he could trust who he couldn't trust, and ultimately who was committed, yeah, yeah to winning, but who was committed to him. Um, and, and I think it's pretty clear now to us why it took as long as it did to get things done, but also clear probably to Masai who he can trust and who he can't trust. And fortunately, I think for for everybody, Ed Rogers was overruled.
1: Yeah, I think that's what kind of got me, is that all this time we were almost doubting Masai that he was going to leave. We were expecting him to leave because it was taking so long for him to commit. Um, I guess we all kind of were thinking, well, I guess he's on to something bigger and better because he's already won a championship here. Uh, my biggest takeaway from all of this is, number one, Masai truly does love this organization, loves the city love where he's at and despite all that he had to deal with you know committed and wanted to stay here and i think that obviously speaks huge volumes and and we we need to appreciate and celebrate that as often as we can because messiah really is a special individual what really upset me most is just the, the, the some of the verbiage like for ed Rogers to call Masai arrogant, to say that he rolled up to Ed's Muskoka home with bodyguards is just—it—it's—it's it, 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 just—we know what it is. Like it's under this veil yes. of of microaggression racism, and that's kind of what really bugged me. Especially when yeah. you look at who the bodyguard was. When it, it came out yesterday, I was reading an article that. It was Jeff Landicho, who is the producer of Open Gym. All of 5'7", Jeff Landicho. And if you know Jeff, he would not hurt anything or anyone. And I reached out to Jeff, actually, when that article came out. And I said, hey, do you know who these two bodyguards are that Masai would actually be rolling up with in Muskoka? And Jeff never got back to me. And then when I found out yesterday that it was Jeff, who was one of the bodyguards... He just laughed. He just laughed and said, he, he sent me a gif of, of uh, Kevin Costner from the movie Bodyguard. I'm like, that is so not you. Anyways, that, that's, my, that's my two cents about the whole matter. Thankfully, though, Messiah is here to stay, and, and we can all move forward. But these, these, import, these stories are so important, and, and I'm so glad that they came to light. And you're right. It's just fantastic reporting um, from those two guys. Okay, Josh, are we ready for some Kalos? Or should we take a break and come back and, and do Kalos? What do you want to do?
0: Let's do it after the break.
1: Okay, I agree. Let's gather ourselves. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back with some more The Raptors Beat. Welcome back to The Raptors Beat with Josh and Nikki. Josh, it's that time of the show where we have to hand out some awards, some acknowledgments, some recognition for the week that was for the Toronto Raptors. Let's get to the Kalos.
0: Yeah, if, if you weren't with us last week, well, first of all, welcome. We're happy to have you. But let's go through how this works. So the Kalos each week, Nikki and I hand out Kalo points. Three, two, one. Three to our top performer of the week, two to second most, uh, second best performer of the week, and one point to the third best. And we keep the leaderboard throughout the year, so we'll know who has the most points. At the end of the year, the player Person, whomever with the most amount of points wins the very prestigious award, the Kalo. It's basically like winning an NBA MVP or like a championship basically. or something, maybe even better than yeah, that. It, for sure. It, it's really good. So I, I'm going to start this off. I'm going to give out my three points. I was debating between two people, Mm-hmm. Sayujiri oh. and Scotty Barnes. And I was thinking, okay, well, why is Scottie Barnes even here? It's because of Masai. So I got to go three points to Masai, not only obviously for a little bit of vindication with the Scottie Barnes pick. We'll see Jalen Suggs uh, here on on Friday. Scottie already off to a better start to his young NBA career, looking great. And We'll talk about him in a moment, but Masai Ujiri as well. well. Talk about some vindication with the report coming out this week. I think at some point during the summer, as we're waiting on him and his contractual decision, what is he going to do? Some people were starting to doubt, well, does Masai want to be in Toronto? Is there somewhere else where he would rather be? Guess what? He loves Toronto. He loves this team, the city so much that he was willing up, that he was willing to put up with a dude who literally called him to tell him that he's not worth what he's being paid. That's how much he wants to be here. So. Three points to Masai. I'll give the two points to Scotty Barnes, who, again, wow. I, I mean, I don't think anybody would have expected him to get off to this quick of a start, especially offensively. I mean, we know that he has the tools defensively. Offensively, yeah, we're still not seeing the jumper, at least not from three, uh, but... It hasn't been a problem for him. He's finding ways to make defenses pay for stepping back and giving him some space. He's got that length, that strength. We're seeing it around the rim. Nick Nurse wants to see it even more, but I was really impressed with the way that he uh, attacked... Uh, the rim yesterday, going right at Sabonis and Turner, no fear, and uh, as well, we were talking about the week that was, how about that game in Boston, and then even the second game of the back-to-back against Dallas, guarding Tatum, and then guarding Doncic, and um, the, the the passes we're seeing from him. We're, we're seeing a little bit of everything. I've been really impressed with the rookie. One point, and this was a bit of a debate for me as well, do I go with Banton? Do I go with OG Ananobi? Both guys got points from me last week. I, I'm going to stick with OG here. He's been really, really solid after a slow start. He's been great defensively, offensively. I think he's starting to figure things out a little bit. Uh, he, he He's Looking more comfortable in this new role. He's being assertive. He, the, the bad shots that we saw earlier in the season, he's starting to cut those out as I think he's getting a better idea. Shot selection. What's a good shot for him? Um, I've been really impressed with what I've seen from, from OG as well this week. Honorable mention to Delano Banton.
1: Honorable mention to Delano. Okay. I think we're not too far off once again. I'm going to go three points for Scotty. Um, the rookie has just, impressed since he since he debuted last week. And what I like about him, everything that you said, that he's using his body, he's not afraid to go up against guys like Sabonis. He's taken off some of the, you know, the the best the opposing team has to offer. He doesn't look scared. He looks for the most part comfortable. And he is growing With each game, everything that Nick is telling him to do, we're seeing that you know come to fruition. About being more aggressive, attacking the basket, using his body. So I'm going to go with Scotty because he's because again, nobody really gave this guy a shot when you know when he was drafted by Masai. Everyone was expecting him to just you know be a dud, but here he is shining in the first week uh, of the NBA season. So with that being said, I too I'm going to go with Masai. He's getting my two stars. Again, for all the reasons that you said, when this report came out, it just really highlighted how much Masai loves his team, loves this city, and the fact that he puts up with, I think, a lot more than the average president and the average um, executive in the NBA has to go through, just kind of really exemplifies how special Masai is. So he's getting my two stars, and my one star was really tough. I was thinking OG. Oh, I was thinking Delano, but I'm going to go with Fred, and here's why. Fred had a 2010 game last night, um, the first of his career. He had 17 assists the other night against Chicago. Yeah, he had eight turnovers as well. But what Fred is doing is that he's really anchoring this team like he always does, right? He's really showing that he is the leader of this team. um, As as these guys still try to navigate who they are and what they are this season, I think Fred has been steady Freddy, a steadying force uh, for this team. So he gets... My one
0: point. There you have it. The, I, I love it. The Kalo leaderboard through two weeks. We still have Raptors fans in in the first place here. Six points <laughs> they got. Three points from both Nikki and I last week after the opener and and just sticking with this team and supporting this team through this last year and a half. Uh, Scotty Barnes and Masai both creeping up on the fans now, though. They've got five points apiece. Delano Banton and OG Ananobi with three points apiece. So we'll be back with the Kalos next week, and we'll keep track of that throughout the season. But we're going to go inside the locker room now, and we're going to talk to... Goran Dragic, in fact, we we spoke with him, I spoke with him a a couple days ago. I'll admit, I'll admit, the timing of this isn't great with uh, Dragic (laughs) seemingly falling out of the rotation yesterday. Again, I I don't think that it's necessarily for good. I don't think we've seen the last of Goran Dragic as a Raptor. But in, in this conversation that I had with him, it was more about getting to know the person and the player and his history, because I I know he got off to a rough start with with Raptors fans, but he's a really interesting dude. He's a guy that has experienced a whole hell of a lot during his time Mm -hmm. in the NBA and even before the NBA, growing up and playing in Slovenia. Um, He's a wealth of basketball knowledge, so this was a fun conversation. I definitely wanted to ask him about his history with the sport of soccer his connection with Steve Nash, another guy. Guy who is uh, quite familiar with the game of soccer and, and obviously a number of guys in the Raptors locker room as well? Um, so let's have a listen to my chat with Goran Dragic. So you came into the league 2008, 22 years old. What does Goran Dragic know now that he wishes he knew back then? A lot, a lot
2: of things. Uh, just how to prepare for the game, how to be a uh... You know, not only have a, a driving opportunity, but you know to work on midis, the pull up, the trees, everything. Where you know when you're young, you, you want to do everything on. A, you want to go to the things that you know the best, but you're not open to to develop the other things that you don't have and. Um, I would rather,
0: if I, if I can go back, I would love to work on that earlier. So. What was your welcome to the NBA moment? Everyone has one. I mean, Scotty in 24 hours was guarding Jason Tatum and Luka Doncic. Do you remember what that moment was, either on the court or off the court, where it really set in like, oh, wow, this is, this is real, this has happened.
2: I mean, my uh, introduction to NBA was definitely... The first practice with the Phoenix Suns when I was guarding Steve Nash, you know, that was a oh, two-time MVP and um, You know, then I remember we play against Denver Nuggets. It was, you know, I was had to guard uh, Alan Iverson um, You know, then Mello was in that team. So that was my first introduction to the NBA But in general, you know, just to be around those players that the Hall of Famers, you know, come to the locker room and see Steve Nash, Grant Hill, Sha- Shaquille O'Neal, those kind of plays was something unbelievable to me.
0: Yeah, what was that like as a 22-year-old walking into that room with all of those? I mean, it, was, it was surreal, you know.
2: First of all, I was back in Europe. I only was able to watch those games on, on TV, and that was, you know... I had to record those games so I can watch on the other day, not to be awake at three in the morning. And uh, suddenly, I got drafted, and uh, you know, to be part of the team with Hall of Famers is something that it's 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 really blessing in the sky. And you know, to have that opportunity to learn from the from the best, that was something that I was really. Um, you know i um, kind of uh, surprised that I'm there
1: so.
0: Who are some of the guys that you watched growing up in Slovenia who are some of your influences either in the NBA or, or outside of the NBA uh,
2: I mean you know first of all Drazman Petrovic uh, then uh, the, my good friend and he used to play for Toronto of which he yeah. was Uh, One of those guys that um, had a big impact, you know, with Minnesota Timberwolves, and then he went to San Antonio. And as a kid, I met him when I was 11, 10 years old. And from there on, you know, he was a huge inspiration for me. Um, In general, just, you know, all basketball players, if, if I can say it like that. You mentioned the great Steve Nash. Do you have any cool Nash stories? Uh, I mean, it's a bunch of them. You know, um, he was always there for me. He, he was taking care of me. I remember the first, the first uh, flight. I was sitting next to him, and you know, I was just, I was shy. I didn't talk much. My English was not so good, so I was just sitting in my, uh, in my uh, seat and watch. You know, <laughs> Steve Nash, and he was at that time. He was eating only like chicken, rice, no sauce, fruit, drinking water. I was like man, you know, this is something new. And um, when you're young, you don't understand those stuff yet, but in the end, you know, see what he was fueling his body, how healthy he was so he can play so many years in this league. That was something that um, I was really, you know, shocked at first,
0: but then... Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, from what I hear, in another uh, the good timing from Precious. In another life, mm-hmm. it sounds like you could have been a soccer player, right? Yes. Professional yes. soccer player. So did no. you? No. Precious says no.
2: <laughs> you can be only goalie. I could have been a soccer.
0: Player. Well, we're gonna ask. I'm gonna ask you about <laughs> soccer within the locker room, right? Because Pascal is a, so yeah, used to yeah. be a soccer player too. But even coming into the league, I mean, obviously that's a connection that you could have had with with steve as well do you talk about that as as you were coming into the league the your your history with with the game of soccer Uh,
2: definitely that was kind of a a a barrier between us me and him you know you say barrier or have that connection connection yeah a bridge bridge, Yeah. yeah, between us because he's a huge soccer fan um you know he loves to play soccer he uh, and uh, you know me too. I love to follow it. Uh, I used to play it and it 's something to have you know to talk about it um, I know that um he uh, invested something in mallorca yeah. and, and that was something you know really awesome to see a basketball player who who played at such a high level and to be such a fan of soccer you know to to get into that is something amazing, and for me, you know, I, I have all, when we have a free time to talk, we always talk about soccer. That was something that
0: that connect us. Uh, put you on the spot: who's a better player, you or Steve? Steve, right away, Steve. <laughs> no, no thinking about it. How about in this room? I mentioned it. I mean, Precious was just that, here.
2: That's the thing, uh, you know. I played with Precious one year. I didn't see him kicking the ball yet. Um, I don't know about Pascal, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we
0: have to. Uh, we have to challenge each other to see who got better soccer skills you got some young guys in this room man you got some kids what's that like i mean they're talking about whatever TikTok and fortnite i don't even know fortnite is still a thing does it i don't know uh, you know
2: they're talking about some stuff that i don't even uh
0: no, basically, I'm too old for those stuff. So, it's, Does it make you feel, does it keep you young being around young guys or does it make you definitely,
2: feel old? Def- definitely keeps me young because, you know, just to be present around their energy and, um, you know, they're really funny guys, so definitely that helps. But uh, thinking wise, uh, definitely makes me old. So.
0: You, uh, you don't know how long you're going to be here for, nobody knows. These things are, are out of our hands, as they say. Yeah. What at this stage of your career? What are you hoping to take away from this experience, however long it lasts?
2: Um, I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, you know, I still know I can play. Um, I just need to find the, you know, the right chemistry on the floor. You know, um, so far I'm still looking for that. But I just want to enjoy basketball. That's the main thing. Um, you know, basketball gives me everything in my life. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here now. So I just want to get most of, out of that situation here and, you know, try to, to try to play and enjoy it. Wow. It's
0: great to have you here. Thanks, Goran. Thank you. Man. Appreciate it, man. Take care. All the best. Good luck tonight, too. Thank,
1: Thank you. All right. That was Goran Dragic talking to Josh Lewenberg. And, Josh, great interview by you. That last question was really telling. You know, he... Obviously, he's going to say that he has a lot to give. And I really do believe that his leadership, what he's brought to this, this league. My goodness, talking about playing guys like Shaq and Grant Hill and and Steve Nash. He's obviously been around forever. And his reputation throughout the league is one that precedes him. Like, And you can tell. He's, he's all class every time that I've had to speak with him and, and, and deal with him. I think my biggest takeaway from the interview, though, is... Chicken, rice, no sauce, and fruit for Steve Nash. Like that's why I can never be an athlete. I can never eat like that, Josh. That's just I can't believe it. But um, no, really good job well, by how, you. Why, why
0: do you think he played so long?
1: Exactly, exactly. That makes him um, now we know a machine. Now we know. Um, what 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 was your biggest takeaway from your chat with Goron?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I got that too, right? It, there's just a lot of class there. He He's a guy that, and I got this from the moment he showed up to training camp, is regardless of, of what we thought coming in and whether his preference was to play in Toronto, which like I'm sure it's not, and that's fair. He's 35. Fair. He hasn't won a yeah. championship. This is a young team. It's probably not his preference, and that's fine. But you don't get that sense from speaking with him. You really don't. And, and I want fans to know that is that, You you talk to him, and whether he's, I mean, even after a game like last night where he didn't even get in and play, you get the sense that he's still embracing this for however long it lasts, and I think he, like the rest of us, has a pretty good idea that it's not going to last very long, and that's just the reality. I mean, he's a free agent at the end of this season. He's not going to be back next year. It would be very surprising if he was, and it would be surprising if he was around past the trade deadline, but for as long as he's here, he's not like, doesn't have one foot out the door. He He's... Embracing the opportunity to lead and to help the young guys. Yeah. Um. And yeah, he he's he's a basketball encyclopedia. So it's it's fun talking to him in that in that way too. It reminds me of like Louis Scola, who also wasn't his former teammate in Houston. Also not around here very long. Even Marc Gasol didn't have a long stint with the Raptors. But those are guys that by the time they got here were were so experienced, had been around for so long, both inside the NBA, outside of the NBA. So they've got different perspectives and a wealth of knowledge. And they were just like like Goran is now. Those guys were so generous with their time in sh- in terms of sharing that knowledge. So a fun chat with Goran Dragic, coming up on the other end of the break. We're going to bet on ourselves We're going to make some predictions Well first of all we're going to go back and look at our record From the previous week How we did in predicting <laughs> this past week's games Nikki and I And we're going to make some predictions Looking ahead to next week You're listening to the Raptors Beat On TSN 1050 I've been against the my whole life man, it's Feeling good Just bet on yourself Why wouldn't you Just bet on yourself You're you. Just bet on yourself. Time to bet on yourself. Don't be afraid to bet on yourself. On TSN 1050, the Raptors live here. I got my money on me. I bet on
1: myself. Okay, it's time to make some bets, Josh, here on the show. You're listening to the Raptors beat. But before we we get to making our picks for the upcoming week, uh, we got to shout out Fred VanVleet, who has entered the podcast space with his own pod called fittingly enough uh bet on yourself where he's using his his voice his platform to amplify voices in the bipoc community uh to help give them a platform uh as entrepreneurs as business uh you know uh, biz new business people uh whatever the whatever the case may be fred has given them this platform and who better than him josh to do it
0: and I love it. I mean, there there are a lot of sports pods out there. You're, you're listening to one right now. And, and there are a lot of players out there right now that are looking at this sort of podcast space and saying, okay, well, l- let me do, let me talk about what I know. I know basketball. Let me talk about basketball. A lot of players are doing that. And that's fine. There are a lot of good podcasts out there. But mm-hmm. Fred is doing something a little bit different using the platform, as you said, Nikki, to inspire and talk about something else that he's really passionate about. And that's what makes fred such an interesting dude and one of the reasons why we love talking yeah. to him as 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 many opportunities as we can get to talk to him it, it, those 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 press conferences those scrums are never boring right because he he's so like Goran he's got a wealth of knowledge of different yeah. topics it's not just basketball he's got hobbies he's got other things that he, he told us the other day uh, the one thing you're not going to be able to say about him is that he didn't live his life um so I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to it. Congratulations to Fred. And we are, are going to borrow the, um, the mantra, the uh, <laughs> saying, bet on yourself here each week as we do our annual, our weekly prediction segment as we look ahead to next week. But first – Let's look back because the way this works is each week Nikki and I make predictions, We'd go through the games that are coming up this week, and say win or loss. What are the Raptors going to do? So last week we were actually on the same page, Nikki. We had the same picks. We both had the Raptors uh, splitting. We we had them losing to Boston and Dallas, and winning against Chicago and Indiana. Yep. And we both went two and two. Right. We we we. Uh, we incorrectly said loss against Boston. We picked yeah. the loss against <laughs> Dallas. We, uh, were right win. about, yeah, we said win against Chicago. So we were wrong about that. And we were right about the win against Indiana. So mixed results. But here's the thing. We, we are competitive. We both want to win. I, I don't, I don't want to have the same picks as you again this week. So I may have to. Change okay. things up a little bit depending on how, what you pick. So let, let's start with you here. <laughs> so you we're, want me to go gonna, first then?
1: Okay. Yeah, just, <laughs> just
0: just so I can be difficult and change things up if I need to, because um, I have a feeling we might be on the same page. On the here same this page as well. Guess, yeah. So Orlando comes to town tomorrow. Our old buddy Terrence Ross, you you know a team is young. I mean, DeMar DeRozan was the vet on that Bulls team we saw the other day, but you know a team is young when our guy Terry is is one of the vets. Um, What do you think is happening tomorrow?
1: Okay, so tomorrow the Raptors are wrapping up this four-game homestand, and then they have a rough stretch. 11 of their next 14 games are going to be on the road. I think and I hope, that the Raptors will be able to handle the Orlando Magic. This is a team that is decimated um, by injuries. They're, young, they're a young team, as you mentioned, still looking for some consistency, looking for some balance between their starters and their bench, and um, I, I don't think it can happen soon enough for them. So I have the Raptors easily taking care of business over the Orlando Magic.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a contra- I'm a contrarian, but this is not where I'm going to no. <laughs> divert. This is not where I'm going to take the detour. The, I, I, they're, they're winning the game tomorrow. So Indiana on, on Saturday, the rematch of a game that we saw last night. Are the Pacers getting their revenge or are the Raptors taking another one against Indiana?
1: This is an interesting one because the Raptors looked like, you know, obviously were able to take care of business last night. They really limited DeMontis Sabonis, just nine points in the game for him. But we have to remember that Malcolm Brogdon left the game with a hamstring injury. I think a lot yeah. of um, what's going to happen on Saturday is going to. Way on whether or not Brogdon is going to be available. But for now, we're working with the information that we have. I see the Raptors being able to take care of them and neutralize Brogdon uh, once again and come out with a win. How about you?
0: This was one of my 50-50s, depending mm-hmm. on where you went. I, I'm going I'm to say loss. I'm going to say loss. I'm going to okay. say that <laughs> the Pacers not only want their revenge, but – this has been a, a really tough start to the season for Indiana. I'm not sure that there's a team with a tougher schedule uh, out of the gate than what the Pacers have played. It's going to be a game. They're coming home, starting a homestand, coming off a, a really difficult stretch. I mean, they got Brooklyn in Brooklyn tomorrow. I'm going to say the Pacers get that one. So then we've got Washington, another rematch, and this is one where I'm sure the Raptors are going to be looking to get some revenge. Oh, sorry, we, we got we got one more game before that. So let's let's go with the Knicks game on monday second game of a road trip for the raptors against a pretty good knicks team they've looked good three and one to start the season
1: okay i think that i'm going to go with the opposite of what i think is going to happen and i'm going to take a raptors win i know madison square garden tough place to play i just think um the raptors coming off of that indie win that I predicted. Uh, rest on Sunday, going to go into New York fresh on Monday. I, I'm predicting a Raptors win, although I don't feel good
0: about yeah. it. <laughs> this is another 50-51. one. I'm going to say win as well. Um, I think the Raptors have played well historically against the Knicks, especially in that building. This is a different looking Knicks team. Mm-hmm. Kemba Walker has, has looked pretty good and has certainly been an upgrade at that position from where the Knicks, what the Knicks had in, in years past. But coming off of that back-to-back, I mean, that's why I think that indie game will be difficult for the Raptors, second night of a back-to-back. But you get the day off. The, the Raptors, uh, I mean, obviously look good on the road against Boston. Uh, I, I think I think they take this one, too, but I think this is a close game.
1: Okay, and, and last but not least...
0: Washington. Finally, the game that I was teasing earlier—a chance for the Raptors to get some revenge on on opening night. A Washington team that you know what they—they've also looked pretty good. One of the pleasant right. surprises in the NBA right now. Three and one are the Wizards. What do you think happens on Wednesday?
1: Well, I think you know, like we t- said at the top of the show, the Raptors look really discombobulated against Washington that opening night, but they are such a different team um, now. So Montrez Harrell, I, I don't know what's gotten into him this season, running havoc against uh, the Boston Celtics last night, 21 points, 11 rebounds for him. He was a real problem for the Raptors in that first game. But I think they've learned how to kind of limit the opposing team's big men, as as Delano Bannon was saying last night. We know it's going to take a lot of help defense. It's going to take multiple bodies. So I think they've kind of... I think they would have figured out how to handle uh, these Washington Wizards. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a win for the Raptors.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I, I mean, I, I've been impressed with what I've seen from the Wizards, uh, even outside of that game against the Raptors. I, I think Montrez and Spencer Dinwiddie, these have been really good additions for this team, Kyle Kuzma. But, yeah, I, I just think the Raptors are in a much different place than they were a week ago. So, Nikki. You have the Raptors going four and zero over the next seven days.
1: I do. Jeez. Okay. I'm feeling confident. I mean, yeah, I do. I planned that.
0: <laughs> um, and then I've got I've got three and one for the Raptors this week. I, listen, I think either way, this is going to be a big important week for the Raptors' schedule. It is pretty friendly, all things considered. It's going to get a lot more difficult as we get into November. So this is the time to take advantage. What, what are you most looking forward to seeing this week?
1: Um, I mean, just the continued growth of this team, of course. Right? I think that is, that's the obvious answer, answer here. I, I think Scotty has shown us what he – just scratching the surface of what he's capable of doing. Guys like Delano Banton. My real question is, like, how is Nick going to handle guys like – the Goran Dragic, what he's going to do with him? Will Chris Boucher show some more growth this week? And the bench, which has been a problem for the Raptors this past week, you know, what are they going to be able to contribute? And, and it's you know, it's a big week for guys like Utah, who who's practicing with a nine o five. Will he be able to come back sooner than than later and, and inject some you know energy and and aggressiveness which he brings off the bench? And you know, of course, Pascal's um, Pascal's uh, rehab and and how quickly he'll be able to join the team. So there's a lot of things to look for to of course you know this is a team still still growing still trying to find find some answers and and find their identity um but it it is it's going to be a big week you know it's going to be a big big week for them how about you
0: Yeah, the rotation. This is the time of the year. Nick Nurse usually putting together the pieces of his rotation, figuring out what he likes, what he doesn't like, who plays well together. You're going to add probably over the next week a piece in Utah Watanabe, Goran Dragic uh, on the bench uh, after uh, the DNP CD last night. Um, Delano Banton, does he stick in the rotation? Uh, so these are all things that I'm going to be looking at over the next seven days. And these are some of the things we'll be talking about next week when we're back here. Same time, same place. As always, Nikki, uh, this is great. Thank you very much to uh, Chris behind, uh, behind the glass. And, uh, thanks to everybody for listening. This has been the Raptors beat on TSN 1050.